planted in the house of God uh, as part of our emphasis of being blessed to impact. Uh, one of the ways you can walk in God's blessings is by being planted in the house of God. We've been talking about how to walk in God's blessings. So today we're going to talk about being planted in the house of God. Psalm 84 verse 4 says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Regardless of what they face, they will be praising you. When things are going well for them, they will be praising you. When they are facing challenges, they, they will be praising you. Whatever their situation, they will be praising you. Next verse of scriptures I want to read before we go into this. Psalm 92, verses 12 to 15. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray that your Holy Spirit will ignite our hearts afresh so that we'll be empowered to live in the good of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can begin to count me down now. Hallelujah. I don't know what's happened here. You need to start counting me down properly. Thank you. All right. So we're talking about being planted in the house of God as one of the ways in which we walk in God's blessings. So that scripture in Psalm 84 says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They shall still be praising you. So what does it mean to dwell in God's house? In fact, that word dwell is, is a very powerful Hebrew word which really speaks about a person who has decided to sit somewhere, but more than that, to settle there, to remain there, and even to marry, to marry. So it's like a person who has completely given themselves over to being committed to a place. And so when it says, blessed are those who dwell in your house, it is not talking about those who visit, come and go. It is talking about individuals who have made a commitment to marry God's household, to speak, to really give themselves over to God's house. So the question then is, what is God's house? Well, God's house definitely is not a building. Um, in the Old Testament, God's house was associated to buildings and so forth, but God's house is not a building. Literally, God's house is wherever God is at home, literally speaking. It is where he is willing to dwell himself. So we are blessed when we dwell in his house, but God's house is the place that he himself is happy to be at home in. And in Psalm 84, 4, the Amplified Version reads it like this. Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied 
are those who dwell in your house and your presence. They will be singing your praises all the day long. Sila, pause and calmly think on that. All right, so in other words, God's house is first and foremost where he manifests his presence or where his manifest presence is evident. So wherever God's presence is evident is God's house, first and foremost. And you see this in the Bible. The first place God's house is mentioned is associated with his presence. In Genesis 28, you see Jacob has left his father's house. He's going to his uncle's house. On the way, he falls asleep and he has a dream. And in the dream, he sees angels ascending and descending from heaven. And then in verse 16, the Bible says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. 17, And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Verse 19, And he called the name of that place Bethel. Bethel means house of God. Verse 22, and then he, he makes a vow to God about how he will honor God with his money or with his resources to give a tenth to God if God was to bring him back again. And in verse 22, he says, and this stone, the stone that he used as a pillow, where from um, lying there, he experiences God's presence. He said, this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth. To you. Now, throughout the Old Testament, God's house, like I said earlier, was always associated with places where he chose to make his presence evident. However, under the New Covenant, the New Testament, which we are now in, God's house is no longer associated with places. Now, it's important we lay this foundation when we're talking about dwelling in God's house and when we're talking about uh, when we're talking about uh, being planted in the house of God, it's important that we lay this foundation about God's house being associated with God's presence. So in the New Testament, God's house is no longer associated with places, but it is associated with people, with people. And the Bible refers to God's house in the New Testament as the church of God. So the church is God's house. The church is God's house. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. Paul is talking to Timothy and he says this. But if I am delayed, now he's talking to Timothy about how people should behave themselves in, in the church and in relationships in church and all of that thing and how church should be done and how leadership should be done and so forth. And how women should learn in church and so forth. And how men should praise God in church and so forth. You can read it there. It's all in the Bible. don't know why you are, when I said the woman thing, some of you perked. Suddenly you woke up. 1 Timothy 3, verse 15, he says, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So he calls the church the house of God. Also, Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6 says, Christ as a son over his own house, 
whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Now, Christ is faithful as a son. The previous verses is talking about how Moses was faithful in his house um, as a servant, but Christ as a son was faithful over God's house. And he says that house that Christ is faithful over is us. We are God's house. Another place, 1 Peter 3, sorry, 1 Peter 2 verse 5, the Bible says, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So these verses show clearly that God's house is God's church or God's people. And the church is made up of the people that God has called out of the world system to himself. He's called out of the world system, out of the, the hold of Satan, and out of the power of sin as a people to himself. The Greek word is ecclesia. So that is the church. Now, there is a, there is, it's very important to understand what is meant by church because there's a difference between what we refer to as the universal church of God and then a local church of God. You see, God's church, God's people, God's ecclesia is both universal and local. The universal church of God consists of believers in heaven and on earth. Every believer that has ever existed, even under the old covenant, as well as the new covenant, in heaven and on earth, makes the church, the called out ones, that God has called out of the world system to himself from the beginning of time to the end of time. That's the universal church. Hallelujah. And it makes his entire, this church makes the entire family of God. And God himself dwells in this church. And we see a beautiful picture of this church in Revelation 21. When we see this church in, 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 a, in a, a picture form as the eternal city coming down from heaven. It's amazing. We won't go into that today. So, the church is God's house and is also his family. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 to 22 highlights this point. He says to the Ephesian believers who were non-Jews, he says, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints or the holy ones and members of the household of God. That is all of us who are non-Jews, including the Ephesian believers. Having been built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, the starting point or the basis upon which the whole church is established is our Lord Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows up into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. So now we see that it's a reference to both the local church here of Ephesus and also the universal church of every believer which makes up the entire family of God. This universal church is mystical. In other words, you can't simply identify it by human means. It's mystical and cannot be contained 
by any human organization because it is spiritual and it is supernatural. Now, we are part of it. We are part of this church, but it's spiritual, it's supernatural. Now, I'm getting somewhere with this because, you see, there are many believers who say, I am already part of the church. I don't need to be a member of any church. Have you heard that before? And they are right in one sense. Half of it, they are right. They are part of the universal church. And you become part of this church when you become born again. It is spiritual and supernatural. And the Holy Spirit is the one who initiates it. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one spirit we were all baptized or immersed into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. That is the Holy Spirit. So every one of us, when we got born again, the Holy Spirit literally united us with the universal church of God. Now, being part of the universal church of God guarantees our salvation. But it does not guarantee discipleship in our lives. So when we get born again, we become part of God's family. We are saved. We belong to Jesus. We are his Forever. Thank God. Hallelujah. But we are also babies in the faith. The Bible says, as newly born babes, we should desire the sincere milk of God's word so that we can grow thereby. 1 Peter 2, verse 2, I think. So the, the fact is, yes, we get born again. We are immersed in the universal church and we are saved. But our salv- although our salvation is guaranteed, We are not called to be saved. We are called to be disciples. Can you say amen? Salvation is a gift. So we are all saved. We are all going to be with Jesus. But whilst we are here, the, the mandate on us as believers is that we are disciples of Christ. The unfortunate thing is that many of our churches, including CLF, have people who are converts to Christ but not disciples. Say to your neighbor, ask your neighbor, are you a convert or a disciple? Ask them. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. Some of you are being disobedient. Hey. That's the problem. The problem we have is there are a lot of church members, but there are not so many disciples. There are a lot of church goers, but there are not many disciples. However, as sincere as we are after we are born again, we are sincere. We love Jesus. We are going to heaven. Unless there is intention in our lives, we will never be able to demonstrate Christ Jesus the way we have been called to do so. There are many things that people who've given their life to the Lord, they can be in church for many years and will be lacking on. Yesterday we had the leaders meeting. I don't even see some of the leaders who were there. I know some are in Croydon, but some of them, I don't know whether they are recuperating from the meeting yesterday. But one of the things we talked about was the church calendar. And it transpired that some have been in our church for many years. They didn't even know there existed such a thing as a church calendar. They just thought, we just turn up and the thing just flows, just flows. 
<laughs> Please forgive me if that was you. You know who you are. So the, the point I am making is, is this, that although we are saved, we're part of the universal church of God, we will be lacking in many ways, in many of the basics of the faith, if we have never been in discipleship. We'll be lacking. So, for, and, and another thing is, you can be in a church like this, heard me teach and preach all the years, but I've never discipled you, and you've never been discipled by anyone. Jesus had multitudes following him. Can you say amen? And even among those who were following him, who were called his disciples, when he began to talk about what it meant to really follow him, he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have life. They said, hey, my friend, what are you talking? So as he began to talk to them, they said, hey, this is, the Bible says these are those who were followers of Jesus. I'm kind of going off track a little bit. And uh, they said, ah, but weren't you yourself, you, you yourself, even you were born of fornication. Because they all knew that his mother gave birth to him before he was married. You yourself, you were born of fornication. I know fornication is an old word. Some of you don't know what that means. I'll tell you what it means. Fornication is where you have sex before you're married and you have a child. It's very common these days. But in those, are you still here? But in those days, it was really frowned upon. So when it happened, so oh, you, you are for you, even you, you were born of fornication. And even, this is the people who were following Jesus. So when Jesus began to make proper commitment, demand proper commitments of them, they said, nah, we can't follow this anymore. We can't take this anymore. The point I'm making is, there are many people in church who can be hearing the word, hearing the word, hearing the word, hearing the word, but have never been intentional about dwelling in God's house. And about being disciples of Christ. So, you need the local church context for discipleship to take place. Because you're part of the universal church. You're going to heaven. You're going to be saved. You're already saved and all of that. But for you to be a disciplined follower of Christ, you need the local church. Because the local church is the universal church visible. Is the universal church visible where we as believers are planted into if we are to walk into, in the blessings that God has for us? Never underestimate a true Bible-believing church where the presence of God is. Whether there's five of them or 5,000, if it is a church where Jesus is, where his word is honored, where his presence is honored, where his values are upheld. I'm telling you, and if that's where God has called you to be, your destiny in Christ is linked to that church. Can you say amen? Because it's your spiritual family. So it's in the local church that God has designed for us to learn about his truth. Look at 1 Timothy 3.15 again. If I am delayed... I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. You should know how you should conduct yourself in the house of God. So my question to you is, do you know how to behave in 
the house of God? Do you know how to talk to the opposite sex in the house of God? Do you know how to talk to the same sex in the house of God? Again, you've gone that holy quiet. See, there is a way in which we are to relate. So Paul actually tells him, you know, says to Timothy, you know, treat the younger sisters, treat the sisters, the, the, the uh, younger women as sisters. Handle them as sisters. So the way you will handle your sisters, and the older women relate to them as mothers. So even if your sister was wearing something that you think is revealing, would it cause you to then lust after her because she's revealed, you're seeing something you shouldn't see? No, because she's your what? Your sister. Are you hearing me? There is a way we handle ourselves. You, you look very holy this morning, I tell you. Very sober and holy. Hey! Glory to God. And then, how will you handle your mother? Your mother, even if your mother, I know some of you, the way you behave sometimes, how you handle your parents, I'm not sure. But in the Bible, the way we're supposed to handle our parents is with respect. And the, the, the Bible says, do not rebuke an elder. So don't speak sharply to older people. You are 20, I am 53. So the way you talk to me, you should show some. There's a belly, with, you know, um, um, uh, we, have, uh, we have the evidence of age. See, so there is a way you handle women, you handle men in the house of God. Hallelujah. Yes. So the church is the place where we learn reality. That's what truth is. It's not just doctrine. It's not just information. Truth is reality. The way things really are. It's in the church. We are supposed to learn it. You don't just hear theology that you can't apply. You should hear things that will cause you to become more like Jesus. That's the thing. So the church is the place we learn to become more like Jesus. Can you say amen? So I want to mention a few things about the church and why it's important. Why it's important to be planted. I will continue this next week about being planted in the house of God. So this is part one of part four. <laughs> the following underscores the importance of your local church. One, it is where we receive encouragement from one another. I don't know what I would have done growing up in the faith without my local church. Now, let me tell you something about every local church. It's full of imperfections because you're a member. <laughs> it's full of inconsistencies because you're a member. It's full of disappointments because I am a member. So you can, let's now personalize it. It's full of disappointment because... But nonetheless, it is a place where we receive encouragement from one another. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. 
So when I come and encourage you, it's as if all of you encourage, all of us encourage you. When that brother comes to encourage me, it's like all of you have encouraged me. Now sometimes what I discover in church is this. David can come and encourage me. Matthew can come and encourage me. Raphael can come and encourage me. And uh, Therese can come and encourage me. But because Angela has not encouraged me, and she's the one I really want to encourage me, nobody is encouraging me. Have you done it before? Who's done that before? Who's going to be honest? We've all done it. Because we all have our favorite people who should encourage us. But God sometimes will send people your way. In fact, me growing up in my old church, I never had anybody visit me from my leadership. I was a member of that church, the only church I've been a member of apart from CLF. Not one of the senior leaders knew where I lived. And I didn't even mind that as well. I didn't want them to know where I lived. I sent the leaders yesterday. I am, my personality is one of these personalities where I don't like too much follow-up. Why are you coming to my house for? Ah, what is all this? I came to your church. It's fine. I'll be coming back again. What? Hello? Hello? Um, I'm from the church office. Yeah? Is everything all right? Yeah, everything's fine. Uh, we just want to know whether you enjoyed the service. I enjoyed it. It was okay. It was okay. Um, and we want to know, can we help you with everything? N- not really, no. Why? W- what's going on? Oh, no, we, we just are to help you. And how do you get my number anyway? Oh, you, you filled it in. Oh. oh, okay, I made a mistake. Uh, um, anyway, so, but, no, hold on, hold on. Is, is this Joseph? Yeah. Um, would you like us to visit you? No. Look at my room right now. No. My pastor wants to know whether you need, uh, look, look, my friend, uh, uh, listen. Your church was all right, but this is a bit much. It sounds like a bit of a cult. Please don't call me again. If I come, I come. If I don't, I don't. That would have been my way. But there are other people. I'm telling you the truth. Please. So when nobody visited me, I didn't even notice. That's the truth. One day, I missed service, and then the guy I was discipling visited me. I didn't want to. He knocked on my door. I burned my phone. Who is that? I was in two minds. First, I was a bit silent. Joe, are you there? Joe. Oh. It was Austin. You know him. He, he came and knocked on. So he said, why didn't you come to church? And he said, you've been a naughty boy, haven't you? You know, things that young men do. Let's move on quickly. So, the church is where we encourage, we encourage each other. Yes. Secondly, we are encouraged not to forsake gathering together. Hebrews chapter 10, 25. This verse of scripture, I'll be honest with you, was you know sometimes you read the Bible and you see something in the Bible and you wish you never read it. This was one of them. I, I was reading the Bible one day and I read this. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. But exhorting one another and all the more as you see that they're approaching. I have to be honest with you. It was one of those verses in the Bible you wish you did not understand. But I understood perfectly what it meant. Don't stop going to church every week. I was like, hmm. So, 
again, I'm one of those, maybe you are like me, where when I started going to church, I didn't really like going every week. How many of you know what that is like? I don't mind going sometimes. You know, sometimes you, you, you feel it, you're in the mood. I feel like going to church today. Glory, come on, let's go. But how many of you know that many times you don't feel like it? Oh, or, or CLF. Uh, maybe in ARC it's a bit different. You, all, you seem to be very on fire over there. Uh, um, Joel from ARC. But in normal churches, in normal churches, at times you don't feel like going to church. So he says, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. Because that's what part of being in a local church is about. And exhort one another or stir up each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Another thing about the church, you need to be aware of this. It is through a local church, not the universal church, a local church, that we are able to receive spiritual covering and spiritual protection. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Now, this dynamic cannot happen if I am just part of the universal church. You know, it doesn't matter what church I go to. Today, um, I will go to CLF. Like, I mean, my brother there, he's, he's a part of a church. He's one of the senior leaders there, and he's just visiting. So I'm not talking about that. But today, I'll go to CLF. And then tomorrow, I'll go to mm, New Wine. And then I'll go to Ark. And then mm, a fancy hill song. You know, the worship is well. Hill song. I need a hill song injection. And then the, every fifth Friday, I feel like going to like a normal Church of England where there's not a lot of noise. It's very simple. Very high church. Yes, I like it. And then during Christmas and Easter, I prefer reformist environment. None of this charismatic noise, charismaniac business and Pentecostal jumping. Uh, Christmas time, I like sober, sober worship. Yes. But I'm a member, I'm a member of your church, Pastor. I'm a member. But I just, I just like to visit, taste and see that the Lord is good. I like, I like going to places. Obey those who rule over you. What? Nobody can rule over me. I'm free in Christ. And be submissive. Hey, I only submit to God. Have you said that before? For they watch for your souls. What? Human beings cannot watch my soul. Only the Holy Ghost watches my soul. And look at this. As those who must give account. So, as a Christian, there is somebody who will have to give account for me. Yeah. And I'm, I think they'll be happy they were my pastor. Those who pastored me. I think on the day of judgment, they'll be glad. They'll say, yeah, that's one of my members. Yeah, I believe so. I believe up until now anyway, I think they'll be happy. If I mess up later on, they'll say, nah, he left our church a long time ago. He says, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So, whoever is responsible for our soul, the report they give about us 
can either benefit us or be unprofitable. It's in the Bible. Hey. I wonder if those of you are members of CLF, I wonder what report I will give on Judgment Day. When I stand there, oh, so what, were you a member of CLF? Ah, are you sure? Oh, yeah, Pastor, honestly, I'm, Jesus, I was a member of, (laughs) I often wonder how it's going to be like on that day when I have to give account. That's why in our church, we believe in releasing I'm not being funny when I'm releasing people when it's time for them to go so that we are all clear. They are clear. I no longer have jurisdiction. And I am clear. I no longer have jurisdiction. So I will give account up until the day I release. Once we're released, I say, but Lord, you know, I release them. You, You get the point. One day, are you listening still? Are you listening? One day, somebody said to me, they want to be released from the church. A very good person. And I said, okay. I said, but just remember, once I release you, I am no longer your pastor. They said, what are you talking about? What? I'm paraphrasing. What, what, what do you mean? I said, ah, once I release you, I'm not your pastor anymore. I said, oh, what do you mean? You mean I said, no. Once I release you, I'm not your pastor. They said, uh, let's, let's rewind there. Let's talk. I've paraphrased. Yes. It's a par- yes. See, but that's the truth. So, in a local church, you have covering. That's why, like, if you're in a church like Ark, you are blessed because you have a very good pastor, a very godly man. Peter is an amazing man of God. So, when you get one of them, I'm not saying of you run to Arco. I'm not saying that. When you get one of those ones, you better keep them. Yes. Are you still here or have you gone? So in the local church, you have spiritual covering. Leaders who are your spiritual covering. I wonder who you recognize as your spiritual covering. And I wonder whether they recognize that they are your spiritual covering. Fourth point. We are to follow the examples of those who are more mature than us through the local church. Hebrews 13 verse 7 says, Remember those who rule over you and who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. So we are supposed to copy the faith of certain people. You can't do that in the universal church. Like, I don't, like, let's just say I say, I'm not, I'm not picking this guy because I think good or bad of him. I'm just, it's random. Let's just say I say, Creflo Dollar is my pastor. He doesn't know I exist. I don't know what he really is like. Because I've never spoken to him. Do you understand? So part of the thing about those who rule over you is they have relationship of some kind with you. That's why in a church like ours, CLF, we have many branches. We have local pastors. Because I, Joseph, cannot be the, the pastor of everybody. I passed a certain group of people. You, you get the point? Yeah, that's how it is. So we can copy their faith because we see what they're like. We see their lifestyle. We see how they handle their wives, how they handle their children. We see how they handle their money. We see how they, how they are with their word. We, we see their life over time. 
So if you see their life and you think their life is worthy of copying, don't copy it. Amen. Yeah. Wow, you are really quiet. Sixth point or fifth point. The local church, I'm just pointing out some things about a local church and why you need to be planted into it. This is part one. We'll move on part two next week. The local church is God's field and God's building. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. What that means is this. The local church is God's building project. God is very interested in building the local church. But it's also God's field. In other words, it's a place where you, you can do God's work. So when you're doing things in the local church to help that church, from God's perspective, you're actually doing God's work. See, some people say this. As for me, I don't like doing church things. I like to do things out there. That's where it really counts. It counts doing things out there, but you need to have proper stuff to do things out there. If you have nothing in you and you're doing things out there, you're causing more chaos and confusion. Hey, you could say amen. You could say ouch. So, the local church, helping to build the local church is partnering with God in his building project. Investing in helping a local church is investing in God's work. So when you're doing ushering, when you are um, doing that kind of thing there with the, 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 the heater, when you are helping with the children, when you're coordinating, when you're doing chairs, when you're doing children's work, like all the children's workers who every week, most of the times, they're not in the service, enjoying the word. You are enjoying the word. They are enduring the children. I mean, they are helping the children and loving the children. You are enjoying the word. You are being blessed. They are being harassed. My son is helping them out, showing them power, I understand, and all kinds of things. They are doing God's work. They're working in God's field. They are investing in their future in the age to come, and God watches that faithfulness and counts it to them. Yeah, it really matters what you do in the local church. Are you still here? Also, the local church is protected by God. God protects the local church. So how you handle the local church, you have to be careful. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy which temple you are. Now, when I read this, initially, when I've read this, I've always associated it with sexual sin. But I realized there's, there is another dimension to it. And I have seen over the years those people who have undermined the local church or the church, the body of Christ, is never gone well with them in the end. You have to be very careful. You know, the church is one of the most abused institutions we get blamed for so much. One, one rogue pastor does something, and that's pastors for you. That's pastors. One day, I heard a politician say something like, Ghana is producing more pastors than engineers. And he added, God help us. And I, and I, I was really angry, so I had to hold it down. I felt like sending him back. Ghana's problems has not been caused by pastors, but by politicians. 
Yes, let me just let me just move on to keep it. But I felt not yet. It's not time. The point the point I'm making is, is this is that the local church gets a lot of bad press. Do you know why? Because of us. Because of you and me. We give it bad press. Because we don't represent the local church the way we're supposed to. Imagine this. The sister is witnessing to the guy. She sleeps with him and invites him to church afterwards. How is he supposed to be convinced? Come and hear my pastor. He's a real man of God. This is called confusion. Brothers do it and sisters do it. I go to a very good church. Um, in fact, Pastor Joe, he's my mentor. What a disgrace. Sometimes people have used my name. They said, I am their mentor. And so you should go out with me. I am your Pastor Joe is my mentor, so you can go out with me. Pastor Joe will vouch for me. When they start squeezing a certain way, you know I'm not their mentor. They have, div- so they have, anyway, let's move on. So if you destroy the temple of God, the church of God, God will destroy you. It's scary. You have to be very careful how you handle God's church. That's why when we are part of God's church, there is a supernatural protection on your life. Last but not least, judgment begins with God's house, the local church. When God is going to deal with a nation, when God is going to deal with humanity, he starts with his church. We don't get off. If, if God is going to judge this nation for abortion, he'll first judge all his people who have committed abortion. Yeah. If God is going to judge this nation for fornication, he'll first judge all his people who have been committing fornication. Yeah. So that they still remain saved. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. You will be, distru- you'll be judged for the destruction of the body and the saving of the soul. Yeah. You can't violate God's word and then plead the blood as if that means there is no consequence. The blood allows for mercy for sure. You won't get what you deserve, but you'll get something. First Peter chapter 4, in case you don't know, you think I'm preaching Old Testament. First Peter chapter 4 verse 17. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So God's house and God's church is very important to God, so much so that he will protect it, he will preserve it, he will judge it, and he will cleanse it. And with that in mind, next week we're going to talk about what it means to be planted in God's house and how to allow yourself to enjoy the benefits that comes with being planted in God's house. In, such, in that way, you walk in the blessings that belong to you. Hallelujah. Amen. I want us to bow our heads. I want us to close our eyes. We're going to pray. And I want to pray for those of us, you know, it's amazing here, that have started the year and our heart is set. We're saying to the Lord, Father, we want to be a blessing. We want to walk in the blessing that you've called us to walk in. And so we are, we are rededicating ourselves afresh, consecrating ourselves afresh. 
because we want to go all out with you in 2019. If that is your commitment, stand where you are, lift up your two hands. We're going to consecrate ourselves afresh. And each time as I'm teaching, I'll make some of these altar calls because we're consecrating ourselves. We're allowing the word to wash us and empower us for all that God has for us. As you lift up your hands, I want you to begin in your own words, respond to the Lord. Talk to him. Tell him what you have heard him say to you through the word right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, the cleansing effect of the word of God. Father, as we have received your word, we ask that you will empower us to walk in the good of your word. Let our lives manifest the blessedness of Christ in our lives. You have blessed us so that we impact. As we walk in the good of your blessing, let us bring the impact you have ordained through us. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. You may take your seats. Thank you.